0: Good morning. Here we are. Today's scripture reading from Ephesians 4, verse 25. Up there. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are all members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger and give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but let him labor, doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, have your way. Father, we just take a moment and Help us to just lay down whatever is in our hearts, whether it be troubles from the morning or the week or challenges that we're facing. Father, I pray that you would just help us to lay those things down so that our entire focus can be on you and what you want to accomplish is you want to speak to every single one of us. And you want to bring freedom to some places. And so, Father, I just pray that we would be a people that would give you permission to do that. That we would humbly say, God, I want more of you. I want less of me, and I want more of you. Work in a way that only you can, Father. In Jesus' name, Amen. Um. <clears throat> okay, I need some audience. No audience. That's a terrible word. We're in church, congregational. You are here. We are doing this together. I need your participation. How many? How many of you? Um, when you were a kid, you were threatened by your parents at some point or another, that <laughs> 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 bang, Ali's <alleys, laughs> up there already, <laughs> uh, that, that you would get your mouth washed out with soap. Yeah, OK, a good, a good number of us. Um, anybody actually have that happen? OK, all right. okay. Uh, all right, parents followed through, I like that. We'll get the story of that after. Um, okay, finish the sentence. If you can't say something nice, yeah we've all heard that when we were a child, most of us have had the threat of the soap to the mouth, uh and today what we're doing is we are looking at the biblical equivalent of those things in ephesians four twenty nine Paul says. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouths, but only such as is good for building up, as fits the occasion, that it may give grace to those who hear. So, what we've been doing over the last little while, church, is we have been looking at the different examples that Paul gives in Ephesians chapter 4 about what it looks like to walk in the new self that we receive in Jesus Christ. When we come to faith in Jesus, Scripture says that the old self is taken off and we receive a new self, but we have to choose to walk in that new self. And there are ways that we used to walk that are no longer right to walk in Christ. And one of the ways that we are talking about is this morning, our words. This is one of the areas of our life that Jesus wants to be Lord over. And Jesus needs to be Lord over. Because words are a big deal, church. Words are a very big deal. We live in a world, the way that God created our world. Our world is both natural and our world is supernatural. And the reality that I think we often forget about as followers of Jesus and that the world doesn't understand is that our words are usually the bridge between the natural world and the supernatural world. Our words affect not just things in the seen, our words affect things in the unseen, in the supernatural aspect of God's creation. You look all over Scripture, you look all over the New Testament, you look in the Gospels, you look in the Epistles, it doesn't matter. You can see natural words coming from a mouth interacting with supernatural realities. Take deliverance, for example. You see it all over the Gospels. That is someone speaking something from a natural mouth to a supernatural reality and freedom comes our words are deeply important. God created the heavens and the earth by speaking. He literally created everything that we see by speaking out. That is incredibly powerful. And so words, church, literally do build up or corrupt, tear down. Not just in the natural, but in the supernatural as well. And so Paul understands the importance of our words. And I think that's seen in the fact that Paul has covered now the issue of words twice in four verses. You see, he covers it first in verse 25, where he says, therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. And now he returns to speak about words again, just four verses later in verse 29. And the reason why Paul does this, I think, is twofold. The first is that God made his creation in a way that gave immense power to words. Do you understand that people come to faith Through the power of words, when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and works in that person's heart, it was the preaching of the word that God has given us to bring all of creation under the authority of Jesus. That's a big deal. That means there is incredible power behind the words that are spoken. And the Holy Spirit gets a hold of them and works in people's hearts so that's the first reason why Paul is addressing this. We have to understand it. And I think the second reason why Paul is addressing it twice in such a small amount of time is because in the fall, when sin entered the world, the ability for us to control ourselves and to control our tongues was lost. We were no longer in control of ourselves. We became enslaved to sin. And words... Became corrupting. And words have been corrupting and have been used to destroy ever since. We went from God creating everything with his words to man destroying so many things with his words. We speak carelessly, and words are one of the hardest areas to redeem in Jesus. There is a universal struggle to control the tongue. Our words are one of the clearest marks of what clothing we are wearing. You hear that, church? Our words are one of the clearest marks of what clothing we are wearing, whether we are walking in the old self or whether we are walking in the new self, in Christ. And it is because of where Jesus says our words come from. He makes it very clear, Matthew 12, 34 to 37. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the scribes. He's a little bit angry. He says, you brood of of vipers. Wouldn't want to be welcomed by Jesus in that way. He says, how can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. I tell you, on the day of judgment, people will give account for every careless word they speak. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Jesus takes our words incredibly seriously. We will, take, we will give account for every careless word we speak. Our words are one of the greatest marks of whether we are living by the old self or living according to the new cre- creation that we are in Jesus Christ. Our tongues are one of the hardest parts of our flesh to tame. What does James say? James says in chapter 3, starting in verse 1, I don't like verse one. Let's go to verse two. No, uh, not, <laughs> not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who judge will be judged, or we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. It's good. We for we all stumble in many ways. And if anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle his whole body. Do you see what James is saying there? saying, if you can bridle your tongue perfectly at all times, you're a perfect man. You're a perfect woman. If you're able to bridle your tongue, then you have everything else under control. So basically what James is saying is, listen, nobody's perfect in this. We all speak carelessly at times. Nobody is able to completely bridle their tongue or else we would be perfect. We're not. He says, If we put bits into the mouths of horses so they obey us, we guide their whole bodies as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so large and have been driven by strong winds, they are guided by a very small rudder wherever the will of the pilot directs. So he's He's pointing to the fact that the tongue is so small, but it is incredibly powerful. You put a little bit into the mouth of a horse, you wouldn't think that that little bit would be able to control the horse. That thing is massive. Blair's terrified to get on them. Rightfully so. Sorry, I called you out there. Uh, (laughs) But rightfully so, right? But it's incredible that that little piece controls the whole horse. When you look at a massive ship, the rudder in comparison to the ship is quite small. But it causes it to turn and go where it needs to go. He's showing us words. Our tongues are incredibly powerful. It says, so also the tongue is a small member, yet it boasts of great things. How great a forest is set ablaze by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, a world of unrighteousness. The tongue is set among our members, staining the whole body, setting on fire the entire course of life, and set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and reptile and bird and sea creature can be tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man, can, no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil. It's full of deadly poison. With it, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. All saying, listen, you go to church on a Sunday morning and you sing praises to God, and then you go about your weeks and you talk against those who are made in His image. It shouldn't be that way. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening fresh and salt water? Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither. Can a salt pond yield fresh water? Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. That word corrupting there that Paul used, it means rotten, it means worthless, it means not fit for any use. Corrupting talk is a mark of the old self, and it can take many different forms. How can we get to the point where no corrupting talk is coming out of our mouths? We can't. In our own power. It is only by the power of the Holy Spirit in us that our heart changes, that our words change, that they go from being corrupting to something else. It's by the power of God in us we crucify our flesh. You know, this past week and a half, has been pretty difficult for me. And I'm going to completely stretch some of your theology, and that's okay. God decided to uncover some things in my life that came from something that had been spoken over me when I was a kid. I was at my desk trying to work on this sermon. And I started hearing accusations in my head. Just constantly. All these accusations. And I kept hearing this specific word. And it was a word that I'm like, I have not heard that word for probably 30 years. Nobody uses that word. And yet I recognized it from when I was a kid. And I just could not get past it. And I didn't know what it meant. And I looked it up and I saw what it meant and I broke. Like I was just a wreck. And Kate came in the room and she had to pray over me. And she had to take authority over me because I was incredibly oppressed. And it was from something that was spoken over me as a kid. It was a lie That I had been walking in. For so long. I didn't realize. You know what happened out of that? Is God reminded me. How incredibly powerful words are. And in that moment. Kate and I both. Had this opportunity to repent. Because I realized in that moment. We have four kids as you know. Our littlest one Shia. She's strong-willed, and she likes to take temper tantrums, and like any parent, we can get frustrated in a moment and say a careless word. She'll be taking a temper tantrum, and I'll just be like, oh, man, Shia's crazy, and I didn't mean anything by it, but in that moment, God reminded me, that matters, you're, you're, you're speaking that over your daughter. Why would you do that? And so brought Shia into the room and just prayed over her, repented. God, sorry for those careless words that really didn't mean anything, but they're not, they're not building up, they're corrupting. Sorry for speaking that. We just pray against that in her life. Right? She's a two-year-old girl just trying to figure out her emotions. Let no corrupting talk leave your mouth. Only what is good. The word good there is the Greek word agathos. And that word means intrinsically good. So since since we are broken and corrupt because of sin, but we are covered by Jesus. When when Paul says what is intrinsically good, that means the words that come from God. Intrinsically good are described things that originate from God. It is things, words that are empowered by him in the believer's life through faith. Paul says, speak those things. Paul says in Philippians 4, 8, what does he say? Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things and speak those things. In Ephesians 4.29, the the use of the word agathos, that word good, it carries with this idea that when we speak good words to others, we're actually giving them a gift. It has this idea of here's a gift, and that gift is suitable for something. And what is that gift suitable for? Paul tells us it is suitable for building up, for edifying, for promoting growth in Christ, for for bringing further growth in someone's walk, to strengthen them, to give them perseverance. It is used for something in their life. You ever had a word spoken over you where when that word is spoken over you, you're just like, I can do anything. Right, men? Like when our wives speak good words over us, like I know when Kate speaks a good word over me, I'm like, I'm invincible, let's go. Right, I'll tear down any wall that's in my way. If I know that she's on my side, my wife and Jesus, let's go. Nobody can come against that. We are to speak words to build up. And this fits with what Paul says in Ephesians four fifteen to 16. He says, rather speaking the truth in love We are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Speak truth in love. Speak good things in love and you through doing that make the body of Christ grow. You build it up in love. You know in in men's group for a while, and I kind of lament that we didn't do this more. Um, But I was reading something, and and the guy said, you know, there's not much encouragement for men in our world. And let's be honest, in the world today, uh, if you're a man, you're kind of looked down upon. And I was like, men just need to be encouraged. And so for a little while in men's group, at the end of it, and some of the guys would have been here for it, we just took this time to, okay, I'm just going to speak a word of encouragement over someone else here. Maybe something I see in their life, I'm just going to speak that over them. We didn't do it as long as we should have. We should have kept doing it. But I guarantee that the men that were there for that felt encouraged, felt built up in that moment. Paul says, speak good words. And when you speak these good words, they should be fitting for the occasion. What does he mean by that? Fitting for the occasion. It has this idea in the original text of it being suitable for the journey that you're on. That's pretty amazing. It's this idea of supplying a need for the journey that you're walking. So just picture like you're packing your, your backpack, you're going on a walk in the woods, and someone just comes up and is like, here, you need this for your journey. Like that's the idea that Paul has. I'm going to speak a word over you for what you're walking through, for what you're dealing with. You just need that for your journey, and it's going to help you persevere through it. Right? And so what we have to understand, church, is when Paul says it's fitting for the occasion, you know what that means the word is not? That means the word is not flattery. And we don't speak flattery, because ultimately what flattery is, is it's corrupting. Flattery is just falsehoods disguised. That's all that is. So there should be no flattery in the church of Christ. Ultimately, it is rooted in fear. And it is corrupting. Because for the one who's doing the flattering, you're operating in fear or you're operating from a place of manipulation. And then the one who's being flattered, it just reinforces a falsehood. It reinforces a false perception of who they are that's not actually true. What we have to understand, the principle that we need to understand, is that grace can never be administered through falsehood. May sound great in a moment, but grace will never be administered through falsehood. Grace is unmerited favor. It's what you need, it's what you can't produce. So when we speak words, it should be fitting for the occasion. And what this also means, church, is that these good words from God, from fellow believers, they're not always going to be sunshine and rainbows. You're not always going to receive a word from a follower of Jesus and go, ooh, that felt good. No, there's going to be times where it's like, ouch, that hurt a little bit. But it's true. And it came from a place of love. Proverbs 3.12 says, For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son, in whom he delights. So not every word that you hear from a brother or sister in Christ that is a good word from God is going to be an easy word. Just think about what happened with Peter. On the night when Jesus was betrayed, right? Peter's with Jesus. He goes, Jesus, I will never betray you. Even if everybody else falls away from you, I got your back. And Jesus didn't flatter Peter. He didn't go, sure, Peter, absolutely. Yeah, you got it. He said, no, Peter. Before the rooster crows three times, this very night, you're going to betray me. That is a tough word to Peter. But that is a word that Peter needed to hear because Peter was operating in self-sufficiency. He was like, I can do this in my own power. And Jesus was like, really, let's see. In a few hours, you're gonna hear the rooster crow, and you're gonna realize, oh my goodness, I just denied him three times. And what that's gonna do for Peter is it breaks his heart. And he recognizes, I can't do it in my own power. I'm not self-sufficient. Jesus had to speak that, break Peter down, so that he could restore him to trust in God, not trust in self. Words of grace are not always easy. I want you to look through the screen and hear about Sandra's story. (laughs)
1: Good morning, my name is Sandra Forwell and my husband Dave and I have started attending Move Church in October of 2022. My life before Jesus, I was raised as a Roman Catholic. I wasn't a good Roman Catholic. And so during my teenage years, I became involved in a lot of um, things like partying too much, skipping school, lying to my parents, uh, getting into drugs. Um, I had two children uh, outside of marriage, and by the time I was 22 years old, my life was quite a train wreck. I had, um, had no purpose. I felt very lost and no direction, and I was living with a man 19 years my senior. On the particular day in 1977, I had made a decision to end my life and take my children with me. And I felt that it was the most humane thing that I could do for them so that they wouldn't have to grow up with the stigma of their mother committing suicide. Um, on this day, I I remember being very broken and just crying. I guess I was crying out to a God that I didn't know. And a friend of mine who, um, I hadn't seen for a, a while, but she'd become a Christian a few years prior to this. We'd been friends since we were 14 years old. Uh, she phoned me on this morning, and she asked me how I was. She knew, she knew everything about my life, and I said to her, I wasn't, I wasn't good. She immediately hung up the phone and came to my house uh we started to talk about you know what was happening with me and she knew that i was living with this married man and she also knew some of the difficulties that i was facing living with him and as i poured my heart out to her and sort of asked why god was blessing her life and not blessing my life why wasn't he helping me she looked me right in the eye and she said to me sandy you're committing adultery. You're an adulteress. How do you expect God to bless you? I was so shocked by that. I said to her, what do you mean I'm an adulteress? How could I be an adulteress? I've never been married. She said, but you're living with a married man and that makes you an adulteress. It impacted me in such a way that it broke me and I began to cry. Um, I felt I felt a real washing as I repented and really embraced what she had said, that this was truth. I realized that I, in my mind, I had followed I had broken every one of the commandments, except the adultery one. All of a sudden, now I was guilty of breaking every one of the commandments, and that one I had no idea that I had done. I'd like to share a scripture that I feel is is very much what I felt at that moment. It's Titus 3, 4 to 5. It says, But when the kindness and the love of God our Savior towards man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us through the washing of of regeneration and renewing of the holy spirit whom he poured out on us abundantly through jesus christ our savior that having been justified by his grace we should become his we should become heirs according to the hope of eternal life and i really feel that that is applicable to how i felt in that moment didn't know that scripture didn't know how to apply it but I feel when I read that scripture that that's how I felt in that moment and then she suggested that she would call her pastor and invited him to come and visit me the next day and he did he came the next day and he came in and during our conversation he reiterated to me what she had said that I had been living in an adulterous relationship and it sort of confirmed to me once again that this was real. And so he invited me to come to his church. He said, you know, maybe you should start coming to Bible study on Wednesday nights and start reading the Bible and get to know your new faith. It was at that first meeting that I began to understand that something bigger than me was happening here. I wanted to be a part of it. I would like to say that my life changed and I was on this great path going towards heaven for the next 46 years but that's not what happened. Um, it was a difficult journey for me. Uh, there was a lot of losses. I lost my family who wanted nothing to do with me and my faith. They thought I was involved in a cult and I backslid for a few years. Um, it was very difficult for me but I did end up getting into a really good church in Kitchener and um, the pastor and his family and the church there began to help me heal and uh, get me back on the right path. And My life has not always been easy, but I've always known that God was there helping me through it and getting me to where I am today. I'm not going to say my life is easy today, but it's a lot easier than it was years ago. But God has always been faithful to me and I know He loves me and I know who I am in Him. My desire above everything else is that I wish everyone that I come in contact with, people I love and care about, my family, that they would come to know the same saving grace and love of the Lord Jesus Christ in their lives.
0: You can see from Sandy's story that a difficult word can be used by the Lord, right? That word, that difficult word that she heard from her friend, was the catalyst that led her to faith. It was the thing that she needed to hear, to recognize that she needed Jesus. So a word can be difficult in a moment. but it's exactly what you need. (coughs) You know, a word can also be a river of flowing water that brings refreshment. When I um, finally came forward with my pornography addiction, My wife was immediately angry, obviously. Mostly because we had always been open talking about pornography. Because we saw it in men all around us. And She would ask me, oh, do you struggle with anything? No, not at all. Meanwhile, I had this secret addiction. And the Lord finally brought me to this place that I hated it so much. I was so ashamed of it that I finally came to my wife and said, listen, this is what's been happening. And I actually did it on the drive home from the United States so that she couldn't leave me. (coughs) That's true. She was stuck in the car with me for seven hours. And obviously, the initial reaction from her was, she railed against me a little bit. But the most amazing thing about it is that very night, she came into our bedroom, and she just, I was on the floor, she just got on top of me, hugged me, and just said, I forgive you. And I knew in that moment, she did. And that was a word of grace over me because in that moment, I didn't need more condemnation. There was enough on me. I was broken, I was wrecked. And what I needed in that moment is to see that the grace that God says is available to me is actually available to me. And my wife came in the room and said, I forgive you. And I have never to this day experienced grace of God so tangibly as I did in that moment. Church, I want to invite worship team up. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a time of worship. We're going to have a time before the Lord because Words are powerful. And so we want to praise God with our lips. But as we praise God with our lips, I also want to invite you. Some of you are here this morning, and you need to repent. You have said careless things to your spouse, to your children. I don't know, you know. The Holy Spirit knows there have been careless things said. And I invite you, as we worship, to come before the Lord and ask for forgiveness. He's a good Father, and when we ask for forgiveness, He will forgive us. But we have to admit what we have spoken. We have to recognize that there are incredible power in the wicked things that we say and so I just invite you as we worship to renounce those things there are also those of you here this morning who have had things spoken over you that are lies you're not good enough you don't matter you're this, you're that and you have carried those things for a long time and I just invite you, there are going to be those here, Sandy, Dorothy, I'm here, Kate's here. We would love to pray with you. We would love to pray because those things are not true. Those are lies from the enemy that have been spoken over you. And So we just want to speak truth over you. We just want to speak good things over you. So as we worship, you can come forward and you can receive prayer. If you don't want to do that, put your hand up. We'll come to you. And we'll just pray with you exactly where you are. So I just invite you, come before the Lord. You can stand and worship. You can sit and worship. And just sit and reflect. But Let's take some time before the Lord and repent of the things that need to be repented of. And seek God for the things that we need to seek God for.
1: Amen.